Well, hey there, and welcome to the Marionette Theater. Tonight we're going to take a trip down to the southwest where there's a couple of figures in history that disappeared from the books. We've got a king of rock and roll and America's youngest president who disappeared all too young and uh, maybe some parts of history that might be best left in the dark. Left in the dark? Good evening, and welcome to the Marionette Theater, as you're hearing there. It's uh, Friday, April 2nd. We're in the spring of things around here in the Spuds Flats. And, That's right. And, uh, you know, I, I saw a whisper of grass for a couple of days there, and then got a dusting, but uh, I hear Mother Nature's in the process of waking up. Basically, it's having a little trouble. We're, we uh, we had some warm days, then it snowed. I'm not sure what's around the corner, but, well, this is spring in upstate New York. You, you never know where it's going. Yeah, and I am quite thankful that I did not put my thermals away because I still need them for my morning walks. And uh, I, I I always wonder if I'm to blame. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you go to wash your car, they say that it's sure to rain. Um, I have a, a sign that uh, I've possibly have jinxed the season because I wait until just the right time or what I think is the right time because I live in an older house and uh, well we uh, pinch our pennies here and I go to try to take the plastic off the windows <laughs> and uh, oopsie it's not quite warm enough still <laughs> not yet but you know that's uh, a lot like what matinee uh i mean uh, the marionette theater here you know we do the, all those kinds of things uh and we haven't taken the plastic off the windows here but uh you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 you know a little surprised you went ahead but you know you never know i mean it's uh Probably Billy. Probably Billy told you to do it. That's what I say. <laughs> I, I like to take risks and be brave once in a while. And, yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of reminds me of the film we're going to be discussing tonight. Oh. Um, speaking of brave and taking risks, how about that outfit that our senior showgirl has on tonight? No, no, no. Oh. I'm totally Egyptian tonight. Do you dig it? Mm. That's what I want to know. Well, you certainly look like a young Miss Liz Taylor there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, Gertie, you're lovely, and you look like you're going to belly dance. So there you go. Mm. I sure am. And if you guys want to get this thing rolling, uh, you'll uh, let me do the... The beginning of the shoe, okay? Yes, yeah, okay. ma'am. We'll be down later and uh, have those Cleopatras ready at the bar for us. Okay, I will. Hey. Imagine you're a performer who's trying to live out their twilight in peace at a rest home. You used to be someone, but no one believes you. Then, one day, a rumor starts that folks are being picked off in their sleep by a mysterious force. And the only explanation is a mummy that's gone from a traveling show. Your only ally is the other old coot with a similar case of lost identity. Well, charge up your wheels. Grab a sweater. It's time for Baba Hotep. Hit it, boys! What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies? And a smidgen of screaming? It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Tommy. Oh, 
righty. So, Toppy, um, you know, certainly we're in the spring of things, or at least it's around the corner, and we've got this terrific movie with some figures in history we're going to be talking about. But uh, there's something we like to do to kind of get our mind around things here. Yeah. Uh, let's set the stage. Uh, Bubba Hotep came out in 2002. DJ, let us know what was happening in the world back in 2002. Okay, so in 2002... The No Child Left Behind Act was signed into law by U.S. President George W. And uh, the United States Department of Justice announces it will pursue a criminal investigation of energy company Enron. Hmm. Enron? Yeah, they lost some money for their uh, stockholders there. That would come back to haunt us. Yes. In his State of the Union address, President Bush declared describes North Korea, Iran, and Iraq as an axis of evil. <laughs> and Queen Elizabeth II gave former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani mm, an honorary knighthood. What was she thinking? Blah. Gross. <laughs> That's just gross. What's in her cup of tea? Uh, the first of the Spider-Man films starring Tobey Maguire? <gasps> It's released in theaters in 2002. And yeah, Sam Raimi, that figures into our little movie tonight. Sure does. Former U.S. President Jimmy Carter, who's still with us today, one of our America's longest living presidents, he arrived in Cuba for a five-day visit with Fidel Castro in 2002, and he became the first U.S. president in or out of office to visit the island since Castro's 1959 revolution and we got a handful of other things that went in down in 02 with the telecom giant worldcom otherwise known as mci you know the folks that did the special long distance calling plans well they filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy that year i just want to tell you <clears throat> mci yes i remember worldcom I do not. Ah. <laughs> well, WorldCom was the dial-up internet branch that MCI sort of put under their wings. So uh, it was uh, MCI WorldCom, but they were the largest company to file bankruptcy in its time in 2002. Uh, the sale of the Fox Kids animation group of programming went through to the Walt Disney Company in the first quarter of the, that year. And it caused the four major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, to reconfigure their Saturday morning lineups because they're now at the Mouse House. Oh. Uh, Homeland Security Act is signed into law, of course, being after wow. September 11th. And that worked out so well. Yes, it created the Department of Homeland Security, which is the largest U.S. government or reorganization since the creation of the Department of Defense in 1947. Well, and lastly, in 2002, United Airlines, the second largest airline in the world, well, they also filed for bankruptcy. So their employees were working for peanuts. Yeah, well, that's too bad. Hey, listen, I want to uh, thank, uh, acknowledge the people that have joined us in the chat room. Uh, we've got Aunt Tudor. We've got uh, Janet from another planet that's just the way i anytime i see the name janet i like to say from another planet anyways hi janet and uh we also uh have our pal tommy hashbrowns thank you all for joining us live while we do this very uh, live streaming podcast. Thank you. Yes, and you too can join us if you're listening to the podcast version of this show. This is performed the first and third Friday of each month. Just go on over to matineeminutia.com. You can click the tower to listen to the show live, or you can also enter our chat room with that little blue mask there, Discord. That's right. So, 2002, well, uh, let's just uh, lay it on the line with some celebrity 
celebrity deaths. Because why not? So we got Dave Thomas. Remember the guy that made those square hamburgers? Well, he died at 69 years of age. Then there was Peggy Lee. She's a singer, an actress. She died at 80, 81 years of age. Then how about Edith Bouvier Beale? Well, you know her as Big Edie from uh, Big and <laughs> Little Edie. Oh, all those uh, wonderful documentaries about those two crazy ladies. Uh, she passed away at the age of 84 on that year. Then there's Rosetta Lenoir, an actress from Give Me a Break. Remember that? She paid, uh, passed away at the age of 90. Milton Burrow. Uncle Milty. Uncle Milty, who was a fixture on TV before there was practically TV. How about that? Mm. And uh, he used to like to dress up in women's clothes. Anyways, <laughs> also, he apparently had a huge schlong, and he was proud to show it. Anyways, uh, also, I'm sorry. Also, that that year, uh, to the uh, Robert York uh, uh, died way too soon. He was an actor in Spencer for Hire, among other things. He died at the age of 55. Rosemary Clooney. La, 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 la. Singer. And she did some acting, too. Died at the age of 74. Rosemary Clooney, well, yeah, she's a, an aunt or something mm. of uh, the other Clooney, uh, the actor that's so handsome. Uh, LaWanda Page. How about that actress from Sanford and Son? She died at the age of 81. She was on Esther. Right. Say that again? She was Aunt Esther. Aunt Esther, of course. Ray Conniff. Not Ray Conniff Jr., but uh, Dad Do. Uh, he passed away at age 50, 85. Oh, oh, the next guy. Folks, let me just do an impression, and then you'll know who he is. Oh, the pain, the pain. Keep the flight monkeys away. Oh, oh. Uh, well, that was Jonathan Harris from Lost in Space. He died at the age of 87, and God bless him. Uh, I love Jonathan Harris. Then James Coburn, who was in a dozen million movies and television shows, and uh, he died at the age of 74. There you go. Those are the celebrity deaths of 2002. All righty. Well, uh, our film that we're discussing tonight, Bubba Hotep, it wasn't a, uh, a nationwide release. It was more of an independent film. And because of that, it wasn't a box office smash. Now, uh, just to give you a sampling of what was going on in 2002, as we mentioned, the first of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films came out, and it was directed by Mr. Sam Raimi, a friend of the creative cast of this film. And Spider-Man came out in May of that year, and it brought in just under, well, it was a $403 million, so, you know, almost half a billion. Jabers. Uh, yeah, the other two top three movies were Star Wars Episode Two. Some like to forget these. These are what we call the prequels. <laughs> uh, Attack of the Clones brought in $302 million. And then uh, one of my favorite installments in the Harry Potter series, Chamber of Secrets with Moaning Myrtle, uh, came out in 2002, $243 million. Now, let's skip down the chart a bit, because, you know, we like the underdog here. So sure do. Uh, if we go about halfway through the releases for that year, we get into some interesting ones, like Shallow Hal, which I don't think we would have the brass cojones to make these days, but it had Jack Black in it, so there is something good to be said about it. And, All right, if you say so. Oh, <laughs> uh, Shallow Hal was in the uh, the the double hundreds here, and uh, well, it only made two point four million. 
And um, a film that I liked was a little bit further out than that, about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson. Uh, and it had a, a very unexpected um, nude scene with Kathy Bates, um, brought in two and a half million. And uh, let's see, let's just give one last um, honorable mention for the underdog a film with Jim Carrey called Mulholland Drive. Oh! Yes, this came out in October of that year. It only brought in 1.6 million. So that was uh, the stuff that fell from the box office. All right, DJ, do we got a, a trailer for this thing? Why don't we play it? Okay, here is the Bubba Hotep trailer earlier. Now, as with a lot of horror films, there was quite a bit of action in this, so we do describe it a little bit for you. Here we go. From the creators of Phantasm and Army of Darkness... Comes the story of an American legend. You were an Elvis impersonator. You fell off a stage and broke your hip? was 20 years ago. That's where they took a piece of my brain. I got a little bag of sand up there now. Jack, President Kennedy was a white man. They dyed me this color. What we have here at Shady Rest is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotel. You know, a mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. And the mystery of an ancient evil. Unless he's finally destroyed. And a rock and roll hero. That never died. Bruce Campbell. Aussie Davis. Bubba Hotep. film by Don Cosarelli. Well, <clears throat> that was the preview. I mean, the trailer. Uh, I know you prepared something else, GJ, but that was the... Uh, yeah, that's what people would have seen. Uh, a lot of visuals there that you wouldn't have gotten. But uh, that uh, pretty much showed uh, what happened. Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, Bubba Hotep. Well, you know, uh, here at the Marionette Theater, we have a celebrated history, and we were once a venue for many different things, vaudeville and a magician. And speaking of magicians, filmmaking itself is a bit of magic. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the person who made this film, the director. So he worked a bit of magic. And Toppy, uh, tell us a little bit about that person. Well, that guy was named Don Cusarelli, and he was an American film director, producer. He did a lot of screenwriting. His first film was in 1975. It was called Jim, the World's Greatest. Now, as of 2012, uh, 2012, he had like 12 directing credits, including what you all may know him for, the Phantasm series of movies. It was a bit of a franchise, four films at least, and uh, the first of which was released way back in 79. Uh, Phantasm had that ball that would go around with spikes, and I don't know what it did. But anyways, uh, in 1982, he directed The Beastmaster, now, that had a long life. Uh, it starred Mark Singer, and uh, he, he went on to do V, the television series, among many other things. But the Beastmaster spawned two sequels, not to mention a television series, which 
I have no memory of whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Now, originally, Bubba Hotep was, let's just say, road-showed by the director, Don Corsarelli. And that's because it was independently produced and directed by him. And there was no major... uh, showing of this and he went on the road and took this film with only 32 prints that were made and circulated and he took it to various film festivals and towns and cities and he did everything he could <clears throat> to ballyhoo this movie uh, Bubba Hotep and well Slowly, it kind of worked because by the time it was released on DVD, which was subsequently later, it kind of had already achieved this cult status. And that's due to basically positive reviews of where he took the film. And because there was a lack of access before the DVD, once it hit, uh, uh, it sold like it was rented and sold pretty well. And not only did the director, Don Cassarelli, take this personally and, and do all of this work to promote it, so did the star of the movie, Bruce Campbell. He also took this film and toured with it and showed it wherever he could. I, this is like a... This is not the way Hollywood movies are done, folks. But when you got a low-budget thing like this, you do everything you can to make sure it can be seen anywhere it can be seen. And Bruce Campbell, the actor who played the central character and the director, did everything they could to make this uh, scene. And um, like I said, by the time it... By the time it became easy to see, people knew about it, and their reviews were pretty damn good. Hmm. So we're going to continue on and discuss the folks that made up the cast of the film. Just before we do that, I'm going to play a clip of Mr. Bruce Campbell, the uh, actor in the lead role, and he's talking a little bit about uh, how he came to be in Bubba Hotep. The chronology of it, uh, of how Bubba Hotep came to be, at least from my point of view, started in about the year 2000 when Don Coscarelli called and he says, hey, I was having a conversation with your pal Sam Raimi and I mentioned that I optioned a story from Joe Lansdale about this old Elvis, a guy who's like 70, and that you were kind of wondering whether to go with a 70-year-old, like a Robert Vaughn kind of deal, who, a guy who could play Elvis, an actual older actor, or get a younger actor to play older. And something to the effect that Sam said, well, just get Bruce Campbell, he'll, he'll do it. <laughs> and, and you went, geez, I never thought of that. So then um, I got the call from Don at that point, and, um, and I read the script, and the, the financing wasn't in place yet, but I said, well, congratulations, Don. You know, this is the weirdest script ever written, I think. I mean, the opening sequence, the first line is, you know, I was dreaming dreaming of uh, some infected pus on the head of his penis, you know, and that he would burst it by, quote, jacking off. And that's, that's the intro to my character in this movie. So, you know, my first instinct was, where do I sign up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, I got to tell you, DJ, uh, at first, because, you know, that's really in the movie, I thought, I'm not sure I'm going to like this guy. But oddly enough, <laughs> Oddly enough, you quickly start to like this character, even though he has a, a, a thing on the end of his dick. But he, you know, anyway, <laughs> but you really do quickly get to like him. He's a likable character. Yeah, now Mr. Bruce Campbell, he is a Michigan native. He uh, is a voice actor, he's a producer, a writer, and a director, so he wear, he's a man of many hats. And uh, one of his best-known roles is a character, Ash Williams, in Sam Raimi's Evil Dead series. Now, uh, beginning in the 78 short film, 
within the woods. And then uh, he also starred in many low-budget cult films such as Crime Wave in 85, in 88, Maniac Cop, and then uh, Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat in 89, and then, of course, tonight's film in 02, Baba Hotep. Now, um, Mr. Bruce Campbell began acting in short films in the 70s. His first breakout role was in The the Evil Dead in 83. And uh, talk about success. This film outsold The Shining in home video sales. And by the early 90s, Campbell was cast in Fox's The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., kind of an Indiana Jones-style TV series uh, for kids, and uh, had a recurring guest role on The Adventures of Lois and Clark, the uh, modern-day Superman story with... um, Oh, uh, Terry Hatcher, and right. then uh, film role. His first, his uh, last, his latest film, just prior to Bubba Hotep, was in Spider Man. Yes, the Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire, and he played a ring announcer. So it was a small part, but he was in his friend's film. Yeah, that was basically he was chums with Sam Raimi, the director. Mm-hmm. And then before that. Uh, Bruce Campbell was in a film that I watched just last night, actually. It's a Jim Carrey film. His first serious role, actually. It's called The Majestic. And uh, he's in it for all five minutes, but it was a uh, a low-budget film in the film. So just uh, his type of character. And Campbell would have uh, roles in eight films over the next five years. To date, he has over 154 acting credits. So... He knows how to pay his bills. Yeah. A lot of them on TV and such. Uh, But he seems to have specialized in low-budget, weirdo (laughs) uh, movies that would end up to be cult favorites. Hmm. And uh, another member of the cast is the man who played... uh, is sort of a sidekick in this. The other... Older gentleman in the nursing home. The, uh, what do they call it? Um, I want to say Mud Spring, but that was a creation that we did on a prior show of mine. Uh, Mud was no, the it, name. Mud yeah. Creek, I think. Mud Creek, I think that was it. Uh, the name of the uh, town or whatever that, or maybe the actual name of the nursing home. Uh, so we're talking about. Uh, Ozzy Davis, and he appeared as John F. Jack Kennedy in Bubba Hotep. So, Ozzy Davis was an American actor, a director, a writer, a narrator, and activist. This is a big duty, heavy duty guy. Born in Georgia in 1917, he was married to Ruby D. You know her, with whom he frequently performed with up until his death. He and his wife were named to the NAACP Image Awards Hall of Fame. Lots of awards to this guy and this couple. They were awarded the National Medal of Arts. They were uh, Ossie was a recipient of the Kennedy Center Honors. He was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame in 1994. You may be asking, why did this guy appear in this movie? Well, I think he was paying his bills, but he was great in this movie. And if this was a movie he didn't particularly care about, you wouldn't know because he's totally into it. Anyways, his acting career began in 1939 with the Rose McClendon Players in Harlem. That was a a stage thing. Uh, By the time 1950 came around, Davis had had developed a lasting stage presence that lasted over uh, 30 notable stage productions over his lifetime. He also maintained an impressive career as a character actor in television and movies. When you see his face, folks, you're going to say, oh, yeah, 
I've seen that guy in a dozen things. So most notable prior to Bubba Hotek was his role in Dr. Doolittle in 1998 with Eddie Murphy. He was the, uh, the father. In 1962, he had a, a back, uh, by this time in television, he had a recurring minor role in Car 54, Where Are You? In 78, he was cast alongside Paul Winfield in the NBC miniseries about Dr. Martin Luther King. He played the lead's father. Davis had a reoccurring role in the Burt Reynolds series, Evening Shade. Does anybody remember that? It lasted four years. Yeah. Burt Reynolds. Uh, that was on CBS. Uh Davis was also uh, a coach, uh, or no, actually a judge for one season on the television version of the John Grisham novel, The Client, which I totally forgot was made into a TV series. That's weird. Well, uh, then a series of six appearances in recurring roles on the Touched by an Angel series. Do you remember that? That was 96 to 2002. Whoa. His last role was as Pam Greer's character's father on Showtime's The L Word. That was in 2004. So between... Uh, uh, 1970 and 1987, Davis directed six movies, starting with Cotton Comes to Harlem in 1970 and ending with Crown Dick in 1987. And Davis passed away in 2005 at the age of 87. He was a celebrated uh, creator and activist. So that would put Bubba Hotep as being one of the last starring roles. Yes. Okay. So we're going to step on over here to our refreshment stand where our senior showgirl is going to be serving up some Cleopatra drinks in honor of tonight's theme. Can I have one of those, ma'am? Here you go. Okay, so... uh, we are a little more than halfway over our evening here, and uh, we're going to treat you to a clip from the Film School Archive. This is an interview with the director of tonight's film, Don Cossarelli. What did happen to Elvis? It was one of the great unanswered mysteries of our time. Uh, did he die on the bathroom, on the toilet, in Graceland? No, there's no way that that could have really happened. I was in a, uh, a bookstore in Hollywood, and I came across this new collection of uh, Joe Lansdale short stories, and there, right on the dust jacket, it said, uh, Elvis Battles Mummy. And that just spoke to me. I just thought that in a capsulated form, that was probably about the greatest concept I'd ever read. The only difficulty that I had in getting the rights from uh, Joe Lansdale is, uh, was his surprise that I wanted to make a film out of it. Because he, you know, a lot of people, very well-known directors had been circling around Joe's work. I mean, from, I know David Lynch and some other directors had had his material under option at different times. And yet, uh, from, Joe's, from Joe's point of view, there was, uh, this was the absolute last of his stories that he ever thought anyone would try to make a movie about. How could I have gone from the king of rock and roll to this? <laughs> Old guy in a rest home in East Texas with a growth on his picker. The adaptation of Joe Lansdale's story was uh, actually pretty easy. It, the, the story was written in a fairly cinematic style. The other thing that was nice about it was that it's, uh, it was a 40-page short story, which I think uh, is eminently more translatable than a 400-page novel. With a novel, you have to cut out so much material that frequently you find that the writers end up eviscerating the source. Uh, yet I found that working uh, with a 40-page, it, it was just about the right length. You know, It wasn't quite long enough, and so I added a few extra sequences. Uh, some of the scenes that I, I created was the uh, scene where... 
uh, Elvis and Sebastian Half traded places because I really wanted to go into more detail because that was one of the most interesting parts of the story that I liked. And I was such a great fan of the old classics like The Prince and the Pauper where you would have the king who would switch places with a commoner and then go out as a commoner. Oh my God. Very interesting story as to how Bruce Campbell became involved in Bubba Hotep. And it's a true story, actually, which is I came back to my uh, office one day and there was a message on my phone machine from Sam Raimi, the, the eminently great director of uh, Spider-Man and some other really cool films. And I had known Sam for a number of years and hadn't spoken with him for a while. And uh, it was a message from his assistant inviting me to a sneak preview uh, no, actually, it wasn't a sneak preview. It was a uh, retrospective screening that Sam was hosting of Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I never knew that Sam was a geek for uh, Spielberg. So it surprised me, but I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And I called the number, and it, the number was his office, and his assistant came on. I said, oh, I'm calling to RSVP for the screening that Sam invited me to. He goes, well, we're not having any screening. What are you talking about? So, well, I got this thing. Let me go talk to Sam. So Sam comes on the line, and uh, you know, he says, Don, somebody's pulling a joke on you. I'm not having any screening. So we had a good laugh about that. It was kind of fun, but uh, we, we, it got us talking. And so we're talking about things. What, you know, what are you working on? What am I working on? And I said, well, I just got in this short story. It's, you know, it's Elvis fighting a mummy. It, it really is fun. And we are back. So continuing on the discussion about the cast behind Boa Hotep, the next person in the ensemble, as it were, is uh, the uh, poor, unfortunate lady in the the white gown. They're the nurse, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, the actress Ella Joyce. Yeah, and she was the nurse in Bubba Hotek. She was born in Chicago. She began acting in the nineties. You would have seen her in Stop, or my mom will shoot. Good Lord, <laughs> was uh, that was in nineteen ninety two with Sylvester Stallone and Estelle Getty. But in 1991, she was cast as the wife in HBO's Rock, a series about the life of a garbage man. And in uh, the ni- 1990s, uh, jo- uh, Ella Joyce was uh, had a series of guest appearances on many shows, such as New Radio. She was on Seinfeld. She was on Sabrina. And she was on the Jamie Foxx show. And she ended up having a reoccurring role on the ABC series, My Wife and Kids, with Damon Wyans. And I got to tell you, DJ, this nurse role in the movie Somewhat minor. She doesn't have a lot of scenes. But the scene she's in, I remember thinking, this is really the way a nurse in this kind of situation would react. In other words, whether it was the writing or whether it was her nuance or whatever, her character was was right on like she just said like whatever was happening she'd go mm-hmm righto <laughs> and you betcha and it's because when you have when you're taking care of uh, people who may be not at the t- uh, height of their you know mental status you that's what you do you just agree with them and not make a ruckus and I really thought in that very specific way, whether she understood what she was doing or the writer, she was perfect. Perfect. I agree. And, uh, you know, some of the, the smaller scenes of the film really are what make this a believable story to me. Not, not in the sense that, you know, a, a mummy could haunt people in a nursing home. But in the sense that, you know, this is somewhere that people are going to spend their twilight. And sure, maybe Elvis disappeared because he switched places with his double. And, um, you know, there, there are just some things that go on between the characters, especially when, 
you know, the king of rock and roll, Sebastian Half is his, you know, his given name. Um, needs a little bit of helping from the nurse. And later on, he, he kind of puts her in her place. Do you, do you remember that scene? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, here he is going outside and um, trying to decide what he's going to do with the day. And she comes out and starts talking to him as if he's her child and she, he needs to come in for dinner or maybe he stayed out too late. <laughs> right. So one thing I'll give this movie in the script and the creators a lot of kudos for is the environment this movie takes place in is a nursing home. And it doesn't shy away from issues of aging, of issues of what it's like to be in a nursing home. And all of that is in there and amongst this crazy whack job plot of the mummy that wants to suck the life out of residents there. But I think it's really, this movie is grounded in reality and what it's really like to be old and at the end of your life and in a nursing home and i i I just i i think they did a great job with all of that and you know the character moments of course um you know okay sure maybe it takes you a little while into watching the film before you start buying the idea that this guy may be Elvis for real and that he switched places. But then you meet Ossie Davis's character who thinks that he's JFK and they're having their conversations. And uh, at some point, Elvis ends up finding JFK's bedroom at the nursing home. Now, everywhere else you go in this place, it looks like they fired the cleaning staff. <laughs> but when you get to JFK's room, Toppy, please tell the folks what you see. Well, I don't, I'm not sure I remember what you're recollecting. So go ahead and say, DJ. Oh, well, th- this is a very well-kept room and everybody else has just very plain surroundings you know, um, okay. very uh, bland hardwood floors, maybe. And it looks like the beds are probably a few generations old. But he's got a four-post bed, and he's got wall-to-wall mm-hmm. carpet. And, you know, they, they've actually picked the, the place up quite nicely. So you begin the wheels begin to turn in your head. You're like, well, this is an important person. And, oh, sure, why not? Why couldn't he be JFK? Well, this is the interesting thing. The movie takes great lengths via flashbacks to show this guy may really be Elvis. Uh, It goes back in time, and it shows that Elvis was tired of his life in the limelight. He found this uh, Elvis impersonator, met him, and said, Hey, how about, how about if we trade places for a little while? And they did. Only Elvis didn't know that the other guy intended on it being like for the rest of his life. <laughs> and uh, Al, uh, the real Elvis apparently never got to resume his real identity. And he ended up uh, basically becoming an Elvis impersonator. And then he was on stage and fell off the stage and broke his hips and wound up in a nursing home. So that's where he was for a long time. And apparently uh, the person that we all know who died as Elvis uh, sitting on his toilet with his chalky colon, uh, well, that was the impersonator. At any rate, TJ, I want to know from you, mm-hmm. the other character, Ozzie, portrayed apparently a similar life 
of mystery who was actually JFK, mm-hmm. uh, although we see a black man. And it explains that there was a, a conspiracy, and when JFK died, they uh, saved him somehow. He didn't really die, and they dyed his skin black. <laughs> and here's Ozzie Davis in the nursing home, who is JFK, except nobody knows, and he's convalescing in the same nursing home that the real Elvis Presley is convalescing in. Now, what I want to know is the the film goes to great lengths to show how Elvis Presley did this transition, but it just talks through uh, uh, JFK's situation and uh, you uh, we're led to believe that yeah the person we're really seeing here is elvis presley that's that's who's battling the goddamn mummy Mm -hmm. and do you feel that we're also really seeing jfk or are we or is this somehow just a figment of this guy's imagination. I want to say, apparently it's really Elvis, and I want to say, yeah, god damn it, that's really fucking uh, <laughs> the the president, and uh, yeah, he wasn't really assassinated. That's what, that's what I want to say. It, it's pretty terrific because even if you're not necessarily a fan of horror or suspense films, you know this this has got some sweet character moments in it because um, you know you, you you see like in the beginning of the film, there's one of the residents walking around and she has that typical horror movie character role where maybe she doesn't have a speaking part. But she makes little squeaks and she hums like she's talking and she's going about the place. And it's just awful because it's setting the tone for where you're you're at, the, the nursing home. You may not realize it's a nursing home at first, but then this lady's going around and she's helping herself to other people's things. She picks up yeah. she picks up a, 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 a tin of some cookies or peanut brittle or something, and then she steals the eyeglasses off some poor woman who's in an yeah. iron lung. Yeah, this is uh, the first, first scenes in the movie that we see were introduced to the nursing home via via this little stealer (laughs) but i i think some of the best moments in this film aside from the you know the uh the suspense moments with the creature which are you know quite pretty good i'm i'm sure someone who's a bigger horror fan would probably tell you that they did some good work with that character the mummy looked terrific you know, the actor who played the mummy has been in other films of this genre. But um, I really enjoyed it when Elvis and, you know, JFK, wink, wink, were sitting on the bed. And JF, or Elvis realizes that, the you know, the president has uh, some nice things in his room. And he sees a drawer with candy. And JFK offers him candy. And, uh, he, you know, he asks him what he wants. It doesn't really matter what he wants. But when he sits down and they both have a candy bar in their hand, JFK yeah. says, let's get decadent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Ozzie Davis uh, uh, rides around in this wheelchair that, that kind of plays a major role in the ending of the movie. This is Bruce Campbell talking about the uh, motorized wheelchair. The little wheelchair that the that Mr. President comes out in and near the end of the movie, it's really a, it was a great gizmo because uh, if you think of it, when they design these things, you're not allowed to strand people with disabilities. It just would be bad if you're going to the market and your little gizmo, you run out of gas, you can't get up a curb. So these things are great. They're, they're really powerful. The battery is unbelievable. They have a dial-up speed thing, so you can really haul ass. And we were in this shooting in this little park area that wasn't bad, but it was still pretty pretty bumpy, but the sucker could get going. So in between takes, I'd kick Ossie out of the chair and, and take it over and go for a spin. And 
they had these little um, joystick too. You could it was hairpin turns because you know, again, you don't want to send a disabled person down the stairs because they could make the turn or something. So you could spin in a, in a circle with these little buggers. So that was half the fun. I was like, great, I get to do the scene where I, I get to finally attack the, you know, Bubba Hotep with my with my chair, my wheelchair. So. Don's instruction in that sequence, he wanted a rebel yell, which is the, it's a real frightening whoop that, which is a, re, a referral to the Civil War when the Rebs would attack. It is horrible rebel yells because they were drunk off their ass mostly. But in this case, he goes, yeah, he's from the South. He's, he, this is it. This is the big moment. So let's have the rebel yell. So it was fun to do that. It's fun to do the rebel yell. <laughs> so, um, I, I think this movie is like a, a lesson in, hey, you want to make a low-budget movie? Here's how you do it. And first of all, you, you have a small cast, right? There you go. Uh, you might cajole uh, some uh, obscure movie star like uh, Campbell into getting in. And if you want to lend some legitimacy, you might get respected actor like Ozzy Davis, but uh, that's probably where most of your money goes. But then you just go to some location that's uh, woods or wherever the hell they filmed this movie. And you can see where, yeah, there's not a lot of money spent here. And uh, they did the best they could with what they had. And they had a pretty good monster effects guy to do the mummy. And there you go. That's how you make... This movie is a perfect example of how you make a low-budget monster movie. And uh, by God, you know, it made a ton of money uh, for him. And, you know, um, as as somebody who doesn't necessarily watch horror movies regularly, I, I will say that Bubba Hotep was a fun film to watch. Again, it had a lot of good character moments. And, uh, it, you know, if for nothing else, it was fun to hear about the king of rock and roll and JFK talk about their bedside manner. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. That's what made the movie is, you know, I'm I'm not so interested in spoofs that are just about the spoofs and like one Saturday Night Live uh, act after another. You know, I could take that or leave it. But this movie had a heart. And the characters meant something. And however low budget this was, or however the director and the star had to peddle this movie out on the roll, this movie had a heart. And it was right there on screen. And it meant something more than just a doofy comedy. It worked perfectly as something scary because there were scary moments in this movie remember that weird bug (laughs) that fluttered around at the beginning what the hell was that anyway it had elements of horror and it mixed it with pathos and comedy i think to perfection and that's why i totally recommend this movie you gotta see it so we're going to step towards the lobby as we are getting close to the end of the show. And uh, we're at a part like to call our snack tray. So uh, after you've had your treats, these are the things that are left over. And if you like Bubba Hotep or things that are similar, here's some things that we think you'll also like. So I'll go ahead first. Um, in the uh, early to mid-80s, there was a little film... It was done by Mr. Ronnie Howard, the little redhead from the happy days. Well, he's all grown up and he's starting to make movies. And uh, this film is called Cocoon. Now, you may have heard of it, but maybe you haven't seen it. And uh, the storyline is when a group of trespassing seniors swim in a pool containing alien cocoons, they find themselves energized with youthful vigor. And uh, this has quite a cast. Wilford Brimley, Hugh Cronin, 
Steve Gutenberg, Maureen Stapleton, Jessica Tandy. It goes on and on from 85. Cocoon. Yeah, that's a good choice, DJ, because it also takes place in a nursing home. And it's also about growing old. And that's a great uh, alternative movie, Cocoon. Very good. I selected The Evil Dead just because Bruce Campbell. Well, how can you not? Uh, that's the series that catapulted him into stardom, and The Evil Dead had a bit of a franchise after 1983. And they were all low-budget movies, just like Bubba Hotek. And, uh, you know, they made the best of what they had. And I don't know. I think I think uh, the actor, um, I just think that uh, he, Bruce Campbell, I, th- I think he seems to specialize in appearing in this kind of low budget, like, yeah, like I'm going to do it and it's going to be great and I'm going to work like hell. Uh, to make people know about it. So you kind of got to admire him for that. Uh, also, just as another mummy movie that had humor, I'm going to toss in 1999's The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, which I just feel like it had a huge budget, a way bigger budget. But it combined the scary and the horrific in a way that I think Bubba Hotek did. So I'll toss in The Mummy as well as The Evil Dead. So there you go. Righty. So uh, as we uh, have made our way all the way out here to the lobby, it's time to let folks know what's coming down the pike. Now, before we do, peek out over the balcony for me and let us know who is with us tonight. Well, we are very pleased to have Aunt Tudor. We're have, uh, happy to have Janet and our pal, Tommy Hashbrown. Oh, also, uh, Crone. Crone's been listening. Crone Haven has been also listening to us. She just peeked in there. And I know she's been listening to the whole thing. Hi, Crone Haven. There you go. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. We really appreciate your support. Hey, so if you'll go ahead and reach up there in the shelf for me, Tuppy, give me that yeah. bag of coins. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Wow, you could really hear that. So the next time we get together will be on the third Friday, which is April 16th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Since the time of Alexander the Great, there has existed a secret stockpile of important artifacts with an equally secret society tasked to protect them. Over the ages, the location has been moved to keep them from falling into the wrong hands. This series is produced by the man who brought us Jessica Jones and created by Buffy and Torchwood writer Jane Espenson. Next time... Warehouse 13. Ah. Well, that's interesting. Now, I've never seen Warehouse 13. I've heard a lot about it. This will be very interesting. By the way, uh, DJ, mm-hmm. never would I have heard about tonight's film, Bubba Hotel, with, if, if you hadn't uh, mentioned it. <laughs> so I'm thanking you very much for that because I really ended up liking this movie. So thanks to you, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever would have known of its existence and, uh, without you. So there you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. you. And, uh, you know, that's a lesson to everyone here. This was a find in a discount bin. So, you know, maybe you don't want to clutter your home anymore, but hey, dive in and you might find a treasure. There you go, diamond in the rough. Okay, so, um, well, we're going to go ahead and give the old uh, Beverly Hillbillies wave here, if you'll say goodnight for us, sir. <laughs> Beverly Hillbilly? Well, I, I think I'm just supposed to say goodnight, Gracie. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Now, our show streams live the first and third Friday of each month. Go to universepods.net, click the tower for audio, enter Discord for chat. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Tweet us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Join our Facebook group. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a future show? Or just want to message us? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. Oliver. This has been an Ollie Bug production. Chubb's gone wild with Matt and Tom. Speak up. The smell cast. My tummy smelling. Be heard. Tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast. With me, Paul the Shy Yeti.